0: Continuing on in our Gospel of Mark study, we're starting today with chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen! A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on the rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Let us pray. Father God, as the seeds were just sown from your word this morning by the reading and the hearing of it, we pray that we will be counted among those who understand it and take it to heart so that we might bear fruit for your kingdom 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold. In Jesus' name, amen. So what? Credit James Borton for coming up with that title. I was talking about this message at staff meeting this week, and I said, I can't come up with, with a good title. He said, this is what you need to call it. And I said... Yeah, let's go with that. So what? What does this matter? So what? What is God sowing in you? And what are you sowing in others? And so what is God saying there? Really? All three synoptic gospels have this story, this parable in it. All three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke all told pretty much the same way. It's one of the most well-known parables in the Bible. We call it the parable of the sower. Could be the parable of the seed, I suppose. It could be the parable of the soil. Because, well, really, the soil, ourselves, we're the only thing we can change about this, right? Well, maybe. We'll talk about that. This is an unusual passage. It's unusual that it's even in Mark. There's not many parables in Mark at all. Most of the parables are in Matthew and Luke. And it's unusual that it's explained, at least sort of. (laughs) Jesus goes on to explain this, doesn't he? That's very rare among parables. And it's unusual in the fact that most of the other parables have some one primary teaching point, and this one has many Many. And even though it's explained by Jesus, the meaning or the meanings of this parable are certainly not universally agreed upon because did you notice everyone is not supposed to get this? That's what Jesus said. Everyone's not supposed to get this. So what did you say, Jesus? Some people aren't supposed to get this. That blows everything we thought we knew about Jesus in parables, doesn't it? He told them the secret of the kingdom of God was because it was given to you, but those on the outside, I talk in parables, so that they may ever seeing, never perceiving, ever hearing, never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah there. We learned when we were little tykes that Jesus spoke in parables so that we would understand, Right? But I guess all you really needed to know you did not learn in kindergarten or Sunday school. (laughs) Because Jesus says here, I speak in parables so some won't understand. Some people won't get it. Hmm. Hmm. He starts this parable with an imperative phrase in the original language. It's hard for us to translate the importance of that into English. We start out the parable with just listen with an exclamation point. That's the best we can do in English. But the root of that means much more than that. It means that we're not just hearing with our ears. That's the sound. But we're hearing with our souls and with our heart. It penetrates our whole being. So Jesus begins this teaching and we begin with that understanding that this teaching needs to penetrate our hearts if it's going to take root and if it's really going to multiply. If God is the sower, if God's word is the seed, and that's probably the most common interpretation of this parable, I might add, then God distributes his word to the whole world. And it seems like God's not a very good farmer. He's not. He just throws a seed everywhere. Seems to be so haphazard about the way he distributes his word. Sowing that seed indiscriminately on good soil and bad soil. Why does God do this? What farmer would do this? What farmer would waste his seed on the pack soil of the path or or the rocks or in the thorns? I mean, isn't the seed the very word of God? Isn't it more precious than that? Well, we never know, do we? We never know when and how that seed will take root. It may set for a long time before it springs forth and brings life. You never know. It surprises you. Last week, a farmer friend of mine who I hadn't seen for years came up to me after the service and said, Bryce, do you remember the first sermon you ever preached? (laughs) I said, no, I don't think I do. He said, well, is it? It was at Peace United Methodist Church, which is where I went in high school. That's when I preached my first sermon in high school. Said it was about a corn seed and how miraculous that corn was. Apparently that took root, even though I had forgotten it. And it came back years later. And corn seed then and now is miraculous. I remember when I was a farmer, corn seed was maybe, I don't know, 25 bucks a bushel or a bag, and now it's like 300, and it's not really a whole bushel. It's more like 50 pounds or 40 pounds. (laughs) Corn seed is precious, isn't it? And farmers, when they plant that, they place it in good soil. They place it, try to place it perfectly at the perfect depth, at the perfect Time of year, the perfect amount of cover with the fertilizer next to it, just in the perfect place. That's how we treat corn seeds, isn't it? They're precious, they're costly, and if we treat them right, they'll return 10,000-fold. But this parable of the sower, this sower just spreads his seeds everywhere. It seems they don't have a fighting chance on the rocks, in the path, in the thorns. Well, that was the reality of farming in those days, in that place at that time. When we were in the Holy Land a couple of years ago and looked at those rocky, weedy hills in Galilee, and I, it didn't look like a good place to grow anything, let alone I found it hard to believe that the goats that were owning those hillsides could find enough to survive. But that was farming in those days. It was common for the farmer to throw the seeds first and then to plow it in, so to speak. It wasn't really a plow like we think of a plow, but it was really just a couple of pointed sticks and try to cover up some of the seeds so that it would grow. It was common to do that. And you know, it was considered a really good yield if the seed returned tenfold. Ten times. You plant one seed, you get ten seeds back. And then, of course, you would save a tithe, ten percent of those seeds, to plant again next year. Notice how that was built in there. That was considered good, ten percent. And it is common, I think, for God to sow his seed the exact same way. The good soil, the bad soil. He, He does, in fact, cast his pearls before swine, so to speak. He gives his precious word to everybody. Everybody. Whether they want to hear it or not. He gives it to everybody. And that word was and that word is Jesus Christ himself. We read at the beginning of John. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word became flesh. And that word was Jesus Christ. He gives his precious word, his very son Jesus Christ, for the salvation of the whole world to people who have no interest in Jesus Christ at all. (laughs) They have no interest. They're not listening with their hearts as Jesus instructed us to do. They're not even listening with their ears. It seems God's word is wasted, doesn't it? But it was and it is. God's Choice to use his word to save his people, to spread it indiscriminately to save the world, even though not everyone will respond. I said at the time that Jesus told this parable, a tenfold response or a tenfold increase was considered good, but notice in this parable, with God, expect a greater return. <laughs> 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, the hearer of that parable at this time would have said, wow, that's a tremendous return. (laughs) That's a tremendous return. And now the Calvinist side of my brain... I'm not not sure which side that is. I don't know if that's right or left. But the Calvinist side of my brain says that God's sowing is always sovereign as indiscriminate as it may seem to us. God will bring to pass what God would have to come to pass regardless of where the seed lands. So what is the point of this parable. (laughs) If we can't do anything about it. If we can't affect the outcome. Well, maybe that classic understanding of this parable is all wrong. Perhaps we... Jesus' disciples in this time and in this place, maybe we are the sowers and we are not sovereign like God, that's for sure. We don't know everything. But that makes way more sense to me if we consider the context in which Jesus is first telling this story. Jesus is talking to his, his disciples, the twelve specifically. That's who he's talking to when he's explaining it. He's talking to his disciples. It makes way more sense if we understand it that way. They're the only ones that were meant to get it. They were the only ones that Jesus gave this understanding to. And you know what? That's you and me today. That's us. Sometimes you're going to get things about Jesus Christ and his kingdom that other people aren't going to get. Jesus was telling this to his disciples, I'm sure, to encourage them because, you know, he's getting ready to send them out to preach and teach into the world, and they're going to get spit upon, so to speak, in the dust of their feet, shaken on. He's telling this to encourage them because he says, look, guys, I'm sending you out among the wolves, and I need to ensure you that no matter how good your preaching and how good your teaching is, Sometimes some people aren't going to get it and they're not even going to listen. Jesus is saying, don't expect everybody to get it. Or if they do get it for a short time, to stick to it. Don't expect it. No matter how good your preaching and teaching is. Because sometimes all the good seed that you're trying to sow, all the kindness, all the love, will return nothing. Not even a response. That's probably the hardest thing. When you don't even get a response. Jesus is saying not everyone is going to accept my teaching and even if they do not everyone will remain true to my word even if they accept it for a short time. Some will receive the word on the path that the birds will come to snatch it away. The gardeners know this frustration, not necessarily birds in this area but rabbits, deer, it seems like everything I ever planted just when that tomato or whatever was getting ripe, the Something would come and take a big bite out of it. Jesus interprets it this way. He says, some people hear my word, that the prince of this world, or Satan in our translation, comes and takes away the word that was sown. The competitions of this world, which are becoming more and more competitive. Are they not? The competitions of this world take us away from God's word. And that teaching is probably more true today than it was even in Jesus' time. And then Jesus says some of the seed's going to fall on rocky ground. Immediately they're going to receive it with gladness, but it's not going to have any root. It can't endure the droughts and they can't sustain them. You all have so many stories like that, I'm sure, of people you know. I heard the story of a pastor who was doing an altar call asking people to come down and be filled with the Holy Spirit. and He did this a lot apparently, and this one guy was coming down for about the hundredth time and some woman yelled out and said, don't fill him, Lord, he leaks. Sometimes we accept the word, we're all excited, and we leak. I got news for you, we all leak. (laughs) We all leak. That's why we Methodists do an altar call every time we celebrate communion. If you truly confess your sins and wanna follow Jesus Christ, come on down and receive the signs of his grace. Though some people leak more quickly, that's for sure, some leak more easily, some people don't ever want to be filled. There are always those people that respond quickly and easily, but it doesn't last, sometimes not even for a day. I had two friends in college, I had more than two friends, but I had two friends I'm going to talk about. I had two friends in college who were involved in Campus Crusade Ministry with me. They were a little older than me and they were mentors to me in that ministry. They led Bible studies and such. I looked up to them. They were awesome guys. Men of great faith. I talked to both of them a few years later. One had totally recanted their faith, was not living a Christian life at all and just given up. The other one, became a minister, a Methodist minister. As a matter of fact, in fact, he just retired last year after 35 years in ministry. (laughs) Same seed. Same word. Maybe it was the thorns, I don't know. Maybe it was the thorns that got to one of them. Jesus said some of these seeds will fall among the thorns and the thorns will choke it out. And he explained it this way. He said, still others like the seed among the swords hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. My friends had both received the word. They had both professed their faith. I heard them. But you know, no one was ever saved by a profession of faith or an altar call. (laughs) they weren't. As much as we like to count those things, even in Methodism at the end of the year I have to report statistics, you know, how many professions of faith, how many baptisms, we, we all do it. We like to count them because I suppose we like to take credit for building the kingdom of God. I officiated at a funeral last week in Charlotte. It was at a Baptist church. And I did the primary eulogy and the sharing about the person because I knew the person well. And the pastor of the church did other elements of the service including the ending. And he just couldn't resist closing that service by offering a call for a decision. You know how it goes. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Raise your hands if you're making a decision for Christ. I really wanted to look around, but I, but, but, but I didn't. I also really wanted to raise my hand. God, just, just think of the joy of that Baptist minister. Oh, I just converted a Methodist minister. <laughs> I really wanted to do that, but I didn't. That was good. But I know who was in the audience that day. And I know that the vast majority of those people went to that church and probably had been counted many times before. They explain it this way. It's a carnal Christian life. You can't bring forth fruit, but we can still count you. It's still a legitimate conversion, but if you're not living the life, you're not going to bear fruit, which goes along with the parable. You see, in the parable, Jesus said Unless you're the good soil, you're not going to bear fruit. Now on the other side of my brain, the non-Calvinist side, I like to think that there's something there that we can do something about in terms of our own life. We can make our lives better soil, for God's word, if you will. Still, we have to keep sowing, not knowing where our seeds will land, And whether they'll bring forth life. We have to do that. Because we just never know, do we? Some seed will indeed land in good soil. And even when the soil may not be so good, some seed may stay long enough to eventually do some good. This is the real mystery of this parable. This is the real mystery of life. And it's a real... encouragement to those of us who are sowing God's seed, is it not? We don't know which seeds will survive the birds and the rocks and the drought and the weeds. So what? So we keep sowing the message. We keep teaching and preaching and writing and sharing because we never know. You never know when and how that seed you sow will take root. It may sit dormant for many, many years and then miraculously come to life. Years ago when I used to sell dog food, some of you don't know this about me, but this was one of my early careers. I used to travel around with a, a company rep, a dog food representative. We drove all over the state together, spent a lot of time together. and he. He used to drink and smoke and cuss like a trooper. He was raised Catholic but had given up his faith. And if you spend enough time with me alone in a car like that, sooner or later you're going to talk about faith. He had never read the Bible. And so I said, Joe, why don't you just... I brought him a Bible and gave it to him one day. And it was a Bible, a lot like those Bibles in the pews, you know. It was a new International Brown cover. I probably stole it from the pews here. I'm not sure. And I gave him this Bible. Didn't see him. We started manufacturing our own dog food. I hadn't seen him for years, but I heard he had a heart attack. He was in the hospital in the Detroit area. And I went to visit and in that hospital room on the stand next to him was that Bible. And he told me, I've been reading it, and his wife and his two little girls told me later that he was a changed man. They renewed their faith in the Catholic Church, which was great started worshiping again, and he said, thank you for that Bible. You never know. You never know when and how that seed will take root. It may be many years later. It may be the rockiest, ugliest, worst soil you ever saw. But it may come back. We're all called to sow God's love and grace. And to do that, like the sower in the parable, we're not to discriminate. We are to sow the seeds everywhere. It's not for us to, set, to decide who is good soil and who is bad soil, who will respond and who won't. It's not for us to say who is deserving and who is undeserving. We are all God's children. Our job is just to sow. Amen. Sing it all together. Amen. 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 Let the men say, sing it now. Giving God the glory. Thank you, Desiree and Charlotte, and thank you all for worshiping with us today. Please Amen. have God. a great week. Go in Christ's peace. Amen, God bless you. Amen. Amen.